the energy that goes into the startup, like that's the that's the secret sauce. Welcome to the Wait and Speak podcast. I'm your host, Rikweer White. In this episode, I speak with Mary Rogers, CEO at the Galway City Innovation District. We discussed her work with startups, startup ecosystems, and what it takes to become a successful founder. Enjoy the interview. Mary, welcome on the Wait and Speak podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Can you give us an overview of your role as CEO of the Galway City Innovation District and the work that you do there? Sure. So I am the CEO of Galway City Innovation District. It is um, an umbrella organization for the Portershed buildings, which are tech innovation hubs in downtown Galway City Centre. The Portershed opened in 2016, so we're just over six years open. And uh, we're home to about 62 startup tech companies and um, close to 200 entrepreneurs in the tech sector providing both co-working space, programs, event space, innovation space, and really a community of peers who work together um, in the Portershed buildings. Mm-hmm. And, and are there specific sectors that the, the startups focus on? So our, our key focus is just generally tech. So it doesn't matter whether they're logistics or fintech or cybertech or insurtech, uh, cross-sectoral. Um, they just need to be innovating something that exists already or developing a brand new technology. Mm-hmm. And w- with that in mind, and obviously the, the border shed um, plays an important role in Galway as, as a facilitator of, of startups and the broader startup ecosystem. Um, can you give us a bit more history in terms of, of what need the Portershed uh, fulfills and, and how the landscape developed and how the Portershed contributes to you know, giving a better startup ecosystems for founders to develop uh, high potential startups? Yeah, so I actually love the Portishead founding story because it's it's really interesting. Like in 2016, the whole startup community was just emerging in the West. Um, there was a real energy about it. And there used to be meetups in a local pub called Max Wiggins. And um, it was our, our founding members, um, founding directors, uh, who were together in a pub one night and said, look, we can we can either wait for the government to do something or we can do something ourselves. And um, I think John Breslin stood up and said, who's with me? And they went and found an unloved warehouse and um, got some sponsorship and some investment and went ahead and opened it. And it was really what happened before that was we had seen um, FDI companies look at Galway particularly in the tech sector, and say, we don't want to be in an industrial park. So we don't want to be outside of Galway. We want to be in the city centre. And we know the story goes that Galway lost Airbnb and um, Mob Squad and a couple of other tech companies to Dublin because Dublin was offering city centre space. And so that was really the genesis of Portershed, of how do we solve for that problem and how do we ensure that our children and our peers have a choice to live and work for a tech company without compromising quality or career opportunity in Galway. Mm-hmm. And and with, with the whole COVID-19 and, and the, the changes that came with that, how did you manage um, to keep entrepreneurs together and to still you know, give that support that you normally do? Well, it was really interesting. Obviously, when the first lockdown and when COVID first you know, happened in March 2020, was it? It was slightly terrifying. So I remember at the time thinking, oh my gosh, it's going to go back to closed offices and people are going to be afraid to be beside each other. And we were really, I was nervous, uh, particularly since we had just signed contracts for two new bills. But as it turned out, a couple of key learnings for us was one, 
our our tech companies, our entrepreneurs were so loyal. So we stopped uh, billing them um, during lockdowns and, uh, you know, a percentage of them called and said, please, we'll keep paying because you guys supported us and we want to support you now because we know you've no revenue coming in. So that was really sweet and a kind of, um, I guess, was uh, solidified what we were doing and our mission. So that was really nice. Um, secondly, they were eager to come back. I mean, were they nervous? Yes. Um, I remember one member coming back and he was there for two days and then he disappeared and I called him up and said, you know, are you okay? Did you not feel safe? You know, was there a problem with the space? And he said, it's not you, Mary, it's the entire world. Um, so that was kind of reassuring. Um, since COVID, members have come back, but they're not back five days a week. They're back three days or two days or four days. Um, what we found is where we have 180 full-time members um, paying for dedicated desks. There's probably no more than 90 in here on any one day, but it's kind of spread out. So um, they're still part of the community. So they're coming to meetups, they're coming to events, but they might still be working from home maybe two days a week. Mm-hmm. And and obviously that working together in, in a single space is is important to exchange ideas and and you touched on on events there and and there's lots of things that the Portishead um, do or does to, to to support entrepreneurs. Can you tell us a bit more about some of those events um, and accelerate the programs and how that fits into the work that you do? Yeah, so the Porter Shed, we started kicking off the tech meetups back in 2017, probably. And initially it was slow to start. And I remember being there like at 10 o'clock at night and six people might show up and you're like, are we wasting our time? And I remember some entrepreneurs and founders saying, Mary, I can't get them to get on a train to Galway. Do mind come to a tech meetup in Galway? You're wasting your time. But we stuck with it. And pre-COVID, there was 60 plus people at meetups three times a week and that was everything from DevOps to Game Jams to Azure to AWS, uh, Power BI. We took all the verticals and provided a meetup for that that group of people and that worked great. Obviously COVID disrupted all of that. Um, We didn't move too many of them online because people were exhausted, they were at their computers all day but since we came back the meetups have kicked off again and I'm happy to say there's a tech meetup once a month. We've had two Web3 events. We had a cybersecurity event. Um, lots of events are back. And in fact, it's amazing to see the innovation space buzzing with that energy again. We are a regional partner for the NDRC and we work with Dogpatch Labs in Dublin, Republic of Work, um, RDI Hub in Kerry to deliver uh, the NDRC regional supports in the, in the early stage supports feeding into the National Accelerator out of Dublin. So we're just today actually hosting interviews for our second pre-accelerator where 22 companies, tech companies, will join us for a six-week pre-accelerator program. And so we run that annually. And then our partners in Cork and Dublin and Kerry also run it annually. So NDRC has this always-on methodology where you can always find a program that's been delivered around the country. And those supports from a founder weekend to an office hours pre-accelerator and then to the national accelerator there's constant supports for the tech community with, with that in mind mary from from your experience what does it take to become a successful founder and you know how, how can founders use these types of supports that you just mentioned you know when we're just starting out and, and going on this journey 
So I think um, like they need chutzpah, right? So they need to just take a chance. It's it's uh, when you're not in the world, you look on it and you think you can't do it or how do they do it? And now that I'm in it every day, they're just willing to fail. Like they're willing to take chances. So you have to come up with a harebrained idea or the the risk. And we had three companies fail this summer. And when they came and said, oh, it's not working out, you know, our ethos was to congratulate them, support them and help them either find another startup or another job or see what they needed. And um, I think what the supports have allowed to happen is that entrepreneurs are failing faster. So founders are creating startups and they're failing but much quickly, much more quickly, mm-hmm. which means that they can go again. And we know that serial founders are often more successful because they take their learnings from the first one. I think it's also enabled the founders are who are willing to um, partner. So we'll often put two founders together and say, hey, you guys are doing something could, that could actually work together. Maybe you guys should think about partnering and coming up with another solution. So we've had a number of companies here where we've had founders working on their own business who've come together and created a business. One of those companies is Marti. That was, we had a a ag tech expert, then we had a UX expert, and they've come together to create the Marti platform. Um, So that, that, uh, I think the Portershed and the general ecosystem now allows that space to collaborate, fail, and for founders to just you know, try and try again, but not to give up. And the Founders Weekends are great for that. So if you have an idea for a startup, you can come to a Founder Weekend, which is literally a Founder Week over a weekend. You come at your idea, you pitch it, volunteers will join your team for the weekend and you tease it out. And often on a Sunday night, you come to the conclusion that there is no business because there are no payers. Um, There are no potential clients or it's been done before or the reason it hasn't been done is because of X or Y. And that's a good result. So you get to just, you know, poke the problem and tease it out. But often some of those companies are formed on that weekend and they've gone on to pre-accelerators and accelerators and and HPSU and working with Enterprise Ireland. Important steps that you've mentioned there. It's starting, it's it's good to have an idea, but then you need to, to, to actually try it and test it and not be a, not be afraid of failure. Like you were saying, it's, it's better to fail quickly and learn from that. And also to partner, you, you can be precious about your ideas, but it can be, you know, useful to, to partner with others and, and, you know, get a, a different, different perspective on it and maybe create a new solution that you wouldn't have thought of on your own. Absolutely. And that is it. It's that open-mindedness to see, you know, um, you have to, like, I, we laugh sometimes because, um, and I, I would have been this person, you know, you come through the door and you say, I have an idea and you're, and I say, oh, tell me about it. And I like, well, I can't because, you know, it's a big secret and um, you have to sign an NDA. And then you're like, listen, uh, the energy that goes into the startup, like that's the, that's the secret sauce. You know, um, I'm not going to, I'm not going to take your idea and deliver on it because it's too much work. You're only starting. So we try to encourage people to share their idea early. We'll absolutely help them with any relevant, you know, legal or patent supports they need. But you have to be open to discuss and learn because there's so much learnings out there already about things that might exist that they don't know about. You know, that whole thing about there's no such thing as you don't have a competition. There's always somebody somewhere doing something, Hmm. maybe not the same, but potentially similar. Mm -hmm. That that sounds good. And, um, in in this process, obviously having an idea is is the, is the starting point 
Um, are there specific stumbling blocks we, we, we should we should founders start? Obviously, people will think about funding and getting funding, but obviously there's a bigger process before you get get to even think about funding and and, and testing your idea. Um, could you talk us through some of those you know critical phases that that you need to go through in, in your thinking process when you're starting out? Yeah, I think a key part of when you're starting out with an idea is. Um, well, one is definitely to book an office hours with uh, one of either the Portishead team or regionally, like book an, a half an hour with an expert who can just chat you through the scenario of like, is this an idea or is this a business? Because um, often it's like um, you, you can hear like, that's a really good idea, but, you know, no one will pay for it. We have... Um, an expert here in Galway, Ivana Ryan from the Connaught Hotel Group, and she does office hours for the hospitality sector. So people have ideas of how to improve, you know, hotels or restaurants and and in that space. And she's been really beneficial to the to the founders because she's able to say, like, as a hotelier, that will never work because of X. And often it's because we won't make money from that. It's kind of like efficiencies in healthcare, right? You find this out with the insurance and how do you get that code? But um, And it's the same thing in the different sectors. So by talking to an expert and, and people are willing to give their time, I find that um, if you if you call someone up for um, advice as opposed to looking for something, so when you're asking that sector expert, it's not, please, will you pilot my product? It's not like, please, will you give me a go? It's like, what do you think of this? Then they become your advocate and, and they they become quite loyal to you and they'll help you over those stumbling blocks. So I think uh, for me, for founders starting off, the most important thing is to get involved with your local enterprise office, with Enterprise Ireland, with the Porter Shed, with any of the hubs. Like um, I think we're all operating that open door system of come in and ask a question. And if we don't know the answer, we'll absolutely find someone who does. And that's, and, and don't, they don't need to apologize for that because that's our job. Like our job is to the creation of high value, sustainable jobs in the West of Ireland and across the country, others have similar remits. So I, I always say to founders, like come in, ask, sit down and have a coffee and we'll find you someone who can help you and give you the right answer. Mm-hmm. And and I think a key point from what you just mentioned, there, Mary, is is not being afraid to ask. A starting point is probably a good point um, to ask and and to network and to ask people for advice and 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 just you know you have nothing to lose from from speaking to others as opposed to trying to sell something immediately. It's it's a case of of asking for advice um, from from what you mentioned there, and 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 then the other thing around ideas. I was thinking around you know. The different different types of ideas, and, and not all would be the same in terms of scale. Some ideas might be a good business idea, but it depends on what you want to do. Do you want to be, you know, a small scale business, or do you want to really scale your business and, and become a you know a, a, a bigger type of business? And 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 what do you find is often the distinction between you know these types of ideas and 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 also just thinking about what you want as a as an entrepreneur I, I assume it's important to know about you know or think about what you actually want you what, what's your longer term vision and and do you want something that will scale and and how do you incorporate that in your thinking yeah absolutely and it is really interesting and it was a learning too right so you have the lifestyle company of somebody who's saw a problem they need to solve they want to solve and, and they're quite happy to create that solution and it becomes a lifestyle so it could be a brother and sister or two friends and and they make a good salary and they tick along and there's nothing wrong with that 
Then you have that innovation-driven enterprise. Generally, we find in the tech sector, medical device would be another good example. And they, they, um, you know, they're going to be at a loss and not making money initially. And then hopefully they'll scale quickly um, over time. So there is that dip and then that rise. So they're kind of the companies we deal with here the companies that are not revenue generating for a longer period of time, but have better growth potential. So companies that would be export focused, um, you know, globally scaling companies, they're kind of the ones we would deal with in the tech sector here. But there's nothing wrong with any of these um, choices, right? So you even look at social entrepreneurs and social founders who want to have impact and, and solve a problem that exists in society. We've, we've been dealing a lot with them recently because they're coming through the door because they face the same founder challenges, you know, how to get customers, how to get your messaging right, um, make sure you're marketing and targeting the right people. So I think once you have those chats and you can kind of, you know, identify the vertical you're in, then there are supports for each of those ones, whether it's a SME, you know, just scaling slowly, innovation-driven enterprise or a social founder, there's plenty of supports out there for everybody. Hmm. That 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 makes sense. And and Mary, then from your work across um, startups and, and and in tech sector, are there specific needs that you see um, that keep coming up in terms of client side and of business opportunities, or you know needs that are not being met? Um, is it is it that clear? Are there specific themes that keep coming up, or is it more dependent on someone really identifying a niche type of a need and then developing a solution? Yeah. So founders for us the I know I'm sure it's you've heard it a thousand times, but the biggest challenge continues to be funding and funding um, instruments. Um, so Enterprise Ireland have just announced a new CSF, or they're about to announce a new CSF funding, which will be new to the market and very uh, a positive step. Um, but when once uh, um, founders get that initial pre-seed, so they get like maybe 50k CSF, then they go to HPSU. There's a gap. Um, before like Series A and all of that. And there's a challenge there for them. And the current um, financial supports like the EIIS or the different kind of revenue-related supports, share options and so on, are just very cumbersome right now. And the same for the angel investor market. It's very hard to entice angels into the market because the burden of paperwork is 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 heavy you know it's expensive the legal costs so they tend to go in at a higher level maybe 25 to 40k which then reduces the number of angels in the market so for the founders there's less access to that angel capital which should be coming in at an early stage so for us the funding part is still a problem for the entrepreneurs i think the um what we're good at in ireland is is programs right so Mm-hmm. Awaken Hub have female programs. There's uh, ex- uh, um, different programs here in the west of Ireland through the ATU and NUI Go. We have a campus, but also New Frontiers from Enterprise Ireland. And there's lots and lots of opportunities for startups and founders to explore an idea and then to move it forward. And what I've loved over the past number of years is that those programs sit alongside each other. So the NDRC program pre-accelerator program is focused on customer discovery where new frontiers you'll come out with a more robust you know business plan and financial projections and and um they will give you a stipend of 15k there's no stipend on the pre-accelerator so we're all offering um complementary programs which will support to level up the entire ecosystem 
That that's excellent. And 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 Mary, once once a startup gets moving and then you actually start scaling, obviously there's different challenges as your business grows, especially once you start growing at a at a fast pace. Um, what are some of the key things to keep in mind, especially once you need to start hiring people and, you know, moving from being a founder and, and, you know, being so close to your idea, moving into operations, moving into, you know, running the business in on top of, you know, if you secured funding, actually running the business and building it out and keeping it sustainable as you grow. Yeah, so I love the story of um, John McGuire from Game Golf. Um, I'm not sure if you know him, but he he always brags that Obama was wearing his device, you know, playing golf. But um, John was fired as the CEO of his company. <laughs> he was asked to step aside and um, let an experienced CEO, you know, go in. He's still obviously part of the company, but it's quite interesting. So I think as you scale, you as a founder need to know your strengths and your weaknesses, and make sure you're building a team around you who are often better than you. Um, a colleague said to me the other day, I feel intimidated by the new hire. And I said, isn't that brilliant? <laughs> like, <laughs> like that's, that's a really good answer. Like we mm. should be, we should be hiring and the, and the founders should be forming teams of people that have strengths that are stronger than they are. Right. So we can all lead, um, in different ways. So I think being open and also uh, you got to invest like, so the legal side of the house, like there, you need to pay for proper lawyers and accountants mm. and those type of things. Like you can't, you can't be an expert at Excel and building medical devices. Like mm. it's just, you you can't. So I think um, you have to also be realistic about investing in your company and in your market. So I've dealt with founders who are entering the UK market the US market and then someone gives them an opportunity in Singapore and they're like, well, I need to go after this. And you're like, no, you don't. You need to stop and, you know, focus on a export market, deliver on that. And then the next one, because it's a reach and frequency thing. You know, your customers want to see you, you need to be present. And if you're in multiple markets, you're not delivering in any. And uh, also your team aren't getting your support. And then they become, you know, not as engaged and it just gets messy. So I'd always say to founders, you know, as you scale, you know, build a strong team, invest in your people and be, you know, try and stay focused. Um, don't go after, of course, we all want the low hanging fruit. And I'm not saying don't go after the easy ones, but don't get distracted by them because uh, you'll miss a, a scaling opportunity. That I had, I remember a company going to New York and they were telling me how brilliant it was. They got five clients in, um, Saratoga Springs or somewhere like crazy and I'm like guys you're based in New York City that's like you know that's like flying to Ireland every day to manage those clients so, so um it is it is you know you got to assess every opportunity and make sure it's right for your growth from what you mentioned there Mary it's it's about knowing your strengths and weaknesses about surrounding yourself with the right team that can support you and and then I think I like specifically the points you, you made around I think it comes down to being able to say no and identifying opportunities. You might be presented with all these wonderful um, things you could do, uh, but it's about maintaining the focus and making those trade-offs and making the right choice for where you are at the moment. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, you know, um, keeping your own self accountable, I guess, you know, what do they say? It's really important that you work on your business and not in your business all the time. And sometimes that hard because it's hard because you feel like, well, that's a waste of time. I really need to be doing business, but sometimes you got to pause. And I do, I do think that taking that half a day, 
away from the office in discussion with having a board. I mean, gosh, I, I'm so lucky because our board are so engaged and active and, and supportive. Um, so I, I, you know, at startups and founders as they scale, having a board that will challenge and support you is is crucial. No, that that's an excellent point, Mary. It's it's really been a pleasure speaking with you, and it's been very insightful. I I appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. Pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. That concludes today's episode. Thanks for listening.